When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. There is a story in this episode that mentions death. If you're responsible for tender ears, you might want to listen first, or forge ahead with only a small spoiler. My house was begging for a good cleaning. Not literally. There were no whispers of, clean me, from the dust on the coffee table. The laundry hadn't formed a union with demands for a wash and a good tumble dry, but it had been a few hectic weeks, and the dust bunnies were starting to form herds and roll around the floor in a few quiet areas of the house. I had a day and a half left of work and had determined that Sunday morning would be the time. I would bring out the cleaning supplies and have at it. But when Friday lunchtime arrived, I realized I had waited too long. It was a warm day, so we had left the doors open, an early spring breeze drifting through, and the herds of dust bunnies were starting to get restless. We had already had a stampede through the hallway, and I had to stand on a chair for fear of getting my feet run over by those rolling and hopping balls of fuzz. The smaller groups were starting to join together, and I could see they would be meeting up with a group that was hiding under the curtains. Once those two herds merged, I wasn't sure I could handle them with the vacuum. I was getting ready to call my boss and let her know I'd have to take the rest of the day off to deal with the situation when I heard a whooping and a whistling. It is spring in the Northern Hemisphere and autumn in the Southern, and there are listeners of the podcast in both locations. In celebration of this time of change, this season, there will be a bouquet of stories. Depending on where you are, the bouquet could be spring flowers or autumn fruit. There are four stories, four tellers in this episode. Each of the stories are a little shorter than the usual ones you hear on the podcast, but Sometimes I think it's fun to hear a bunch of stories all at once. The first tellers are Joel Ben Izzy telling The Pickpocket and True Thomas telling The Skull. There was a pickpocket once who lived in the countryside in England. He was a fine and skilled pickpocket. He could pick your pocket so quickly you'd never know what happened for weeks. He was that good. He decided to try his luck in the big city. He went to London and not far from the area of Piccadilly Circle, which is a perfect place for pickpockets. He picked many a pocket, and as he was just about to call it a day, he realized his own wallet had been stolen. (laughs) He looked around, he saw a woman walking away, and realized that she had picked his pocket. Well, he hastened to introduce himself to her. He bowed and said, You are a very skillful pickpocket to pick my pocket. I think we should get together. And so they started to date, to see one another. They fell in love. And as they fell in love, they got married. And sometime after that, they had a baby. 
There were high hopes that this baby might become a truly great pickpocket. But the birth was a difficult one. The midwife struggled for hours and hours to help this baby be born. And when it was born, its right arm was bent and its hand was clenched in a fist. And of course, to be a pickpocket, you can't look like that. And so they were saddened. By now, they were also very wealthy. They'd pick many a pocket. And they decided to see a doctor who might help them. They went from doctor to doctor. No one had a cure until they came to a doctor in France who said, we will do a test here. And he took out his wristwatch and began to swing it in front of the baby. The baby's eyes followed the watch back and forth. And finally, the little baby started to unbend his arm and reach for that watch. And finally, as the doctor was saying, what a smart baby he is, look at how clever he is, that child reached and grabbed for the watch. And as he opened his hand, out fell the midwife's wedding ring. A hunter was wandering the land. His village was hungry and there had been a drought and there was very little food. And as he was wandering, he went under a tree and under that tree, there was a white skull at its base. And the skull looked at him and said, Beyond a certain hill is a field of calabashes. Take them to your hungry village. The people will be happy, but do not tell anyone where you obtained them. How did you come to be here? The hunter asked the skull. The skull looked at him with two tiny points of light and said, My mouth killed me. Okay then. And with that, the hunter went and found the calabashes and he brought them to the village and he immediately told everyone, Hey, look, I found calabashes and this talking skull told me where to find them. The king came over to him and said, Excuse me, a talking skull? Are you telling me you're going around talking to talking skulls? Yes, it was a talking skull. He told me where to find the calabashes. Really? I want to talk to this talking skull. Oh, um, okay. And the king motioned to his guards, and they came over to the man, and they walked him to the tree to where the skull was lying. And the skull had no tiny little points of light in it. And the king said, talk to me. Tell me where the field of calabashes are. And the skull said nothing. Talk to me. If you want to save this man, say something now. And the skull said nothing. Hmm. The king turned to the man and said, obviously, you are lying. And you stole those calabashes from someplace else. Go ahead and kill him. And with that, the king walked away. And they killed the poor hunter. Time passed. And now there were two skulls underneath the big tree, white. And the first skull turned to the second skull and said, See, I told you, my mouth killed me. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Wooden Shoe Ship. 
builders. The three builders, Winkin, Blinken, and Nod, had such a successful voyage with their first ship, they have gone into shipbuilding and would like to build you the perfect boat. Whether you are sailing to find your fortune or simply a slide across a stream, these crafty builders will fashion you a boat from a wooden shoe for all your buoyant needs. They also build beautiful floating beds. So should you or your little one need some nighttime transportation, you can rely on the wooden shoe shipbuilders so you too can sail to your dreams. This episode is also brought to you by the new Patreon supporters, Josh, his mom, dad, and grandma, Pam. Have you ever wanted to draw a picture that can move? Well, Josh can. Should he draw a picture of a sunny day with an apple tree, you can actually see the rippling grass and might be tempted to pluck an apple right out of the tree. It complements his mother's gift of writing letters that will sing their message to you. It's really soothing, unless the letter is a stern warning, and then it sounds like very bold opera. Josh's father folds these letters into beautiful origami birds that take flight to find their intended reader. They flit and flutter until they land in the hands of the intended person. And Grandma Pam? She always adds the final touch to these unique letters. She has a particular little dropper bottle, and one drop from it leaves the most wonderful smell on these letters. Sometimes it matches the picture Josh drew and smells like apple pie. Sometimes it smells like your favorite section at the library. Often, it's the smell of the thing you love the most. What would your letter smell like? As far as magical gifts go, this is a great batch to have, and you know what? Josh, his mom, his dad, and Grandma Pam are also generous supporters of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. Become a patron for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards by going to storystorypodcast.com or patreon.com forward slash storystorypodcast. And you patrons, you're the happy thrill that comes with the first sighting of the daffodils in spring. It wasn't loud, whooping and whistling. The voices were small, but it sounded like they were yelling at the top of their tiny lungs. I stepped to the door, and there I saw a group of about a dozen tiny ranchers riding up. Some were on mice and squirrels, and others were riding the largest dragonflies I had ever seen. I stared at them through the screen door, and the leader, riding a very large squirrel, had her mount scramble up the screen so she was eye level with me. Howdy, ma'am. I hear you have the largest dust bunny herd for a hundred miles, and we being dust bunny ranchers would like to take them off your hands and your floors. I looked over my shoulder as the dust bunny herd began to surge towards my couches, I knew there was a sizable force underneath my couch, and I couldn't face them alone. I turned back and looked her in the eye. What do you do with them when you get them? Well, we shear them down and knit the finest clothes from them, of course. It looks like we don't have much time before yours get out of hand. May we come inside and do what we do best? Yes, you may but have everyone wiped their feet on the way in. And they did. 
Each squirrel, mouse, and rider wiped their feet as I made myself a cup of tea and sat down to watch the roundup. A few words whispered between the small ranchers, and then they set off. I must tell you, it was the sight of a lifetime. The dust bunnies were drifting for all they were worth as the dragonflies whipped up air to roll them along, the mice and their riders chasing them out from under the couch, and the squirrels and their riders keeping the ever-growing herd in check. They worked the bedrooms and then out into the hall, through the kitchen, into the dining room, and when half that room had a drift of gray fluff and balls of dust and hair, the leader nodded to me, and they drove the stampede out the door. I suppose cleaning will be easier tomorrow. And should I find a stray dust bunny, I'll sweep it out the door in the hope it will find its way to the larger herd and onto the ranch where the rest of the dust bunnies are cared for. The second set of this Bouquet of Stories episode features Nora Dooley telling The Three Hens and Milbury Birch telling a tale adapted from a fable by James Dillett Freeman titled Who? is king of the world. A fable, the three hens. Once there were three chickens. They were sisters. They lived in a lovely farmyard with a doting farmer, and that farmer loved all of her hens dearly. But these sisters fought all the time. If the farmer gave them cracked corn, the chickens fought to be the first or to get the biggest piece. Then the geese would waddle over and eat the chickens' food while they were fighting about it. If the farmer brought out fresh water, why these chickens would fight so hard to have a turn all to themselves that they usually upset the pan, the water would spill, and the pigs would come and play in the mud. Then the chickens would have to wait all afternoon before they got another drink. These sisters squabbled over each worm they found. They screamed at each other about who saw the worm first and whose foot it had been under and or whose feather had dropped in that very area only yesterday. A robin or barn swallow could easily swoop down and eat it up while they were arguing. Whenever the farmer picked up one hen to admire and pet it, the other two would peck at the farmer's toes. They'd cause such a commotion with their flapping wings and squawking that the farmer would have to run to her house, leaving the chickens in a cloud of dust and squawks, and then no one was held or patted. In short, they had a difficult life, although they were truly loved and had all they needed well within their grasp. One day, a fox slipped into the barnyard. The geese stood together, with the smaller ones hiding behind the larger. They fought the fox off with their strong necks and wings. Then the pigs made a circle and held fast together and stomped and snorted the fox away. But these foolish chickens fought about who should be first on their safe perch and whose spot there was whose, and so the fox ate them all up one by one by one, and they never noticed who had the first turn. Happiness comes from living in peace with your sisters and brothers. The end. There were once an animal and a plant that shared a place in the world. And they were all alone there. The plant 
reached its roots deep into the earth and reached its branches and leaves up into the air. And when it gave fruit, the fruit made its branches hang down. And this fruit was the food of the animal. And when it plucked the fruit and ate it, the plant never minded. In fact, it grew the fruit, hoping that it would be eaten. But one day, the animal woke up and began to think to itself, I am vastly superior to the plant, for I am an animal. <laughs> I can move about freely. The plant stands in one place. I am active. The plant is passive. Clearly, I am meant to be the ruler of this world. And so it went to the plant and it said, From now on, when you see me, you must bow down before me and stretch out your stems and leaves to the ground. The plant thought to itself, I never bend my stems and leaves to the ground except when there is a strong wind. Clearly, this animal is a blowhard, but not a strong wind. And so it continued reaching up toward the air and the heavens. The animal saw that the plant had no intention of bowing down before it and became enraged. You fool, you must do what I say, for I have dominion on the world. And it leapt upon the plant and it began to claw it and tear it and pull it apart, the stems, the branches, the leaves, till there was nothing but a pile of vegetation on the ground. Mission accomplished said the animal, and it stretched out to sleep. And it had happy dreams of dominion and contentment. But when it awakened, it felt hunger in its belly. It stood up and went to the plant and saw how it was in pieces on the ground. And the animal realized that it had destroyed what kept it alive. The animal sank down. I have been so foolish and proud, it said. And it lay down its head, and it wept. Now, though the branches and the stems and the leaves of the plant had been torn to pieces, the roots were buried deep in the earth where the animal could not reach. And when the roots felt the watering of the animal's tears, the roots knew what to do. The roots knew to send up stems, and the stems knew to send out branches, and the branches knew to send out leaves, and then fruit grew on the branches of the plant once more. And it grew so luxuriantly that the branches hung down to the earth. The growing of the fruit did not take long. Still, by the time it was hanging from the branches of the plant, the animal was almost dead with hunger. It was weak emaciated, and could not reach up even a single paw. But the fruit hung down between its jaws, 
And so it ate. And as it ate, it felt life coursing back through its veins. And it understood at last how powerless it was. I can only take away life, it thought to itself, when there are others who can give it. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Joel Ben-Izzy, True Thomas, Nora Dooley, and Milbury Birch on the World Wide Web. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, send them to storystorypodcast at gmail.com. If you send us an email... Let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. The Beautiful Brains Behind the Fairy Tale sponsor was the lovely poem of Wink and Blink and a Nod, and I would love to have a few hamsters and name them that. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was my dirty floor. Sometimes you gotta make a dream out of the dust. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You'll hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal.